worship is warfare, but help us to realize that, God, when we're in a fight, we have someone who can heal our wounds. God, help me say a bunch in a little bit of time. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Ali, Tyson, Lennox, Mayweather, Gracie, Liddell, and Silva. You don't even have to be a boxing or MMA fan to know their names. These are fighters who have left a mark on their sport. But what if I said names like Chuck Bodak, Al Galvin, Rafael Garcia, Jacob Stitch Duran? Would you recognize those names? Probably not. But these men are indispensable and undeniably responsible for much of the success of the names you did recognize. They are the cut men that work the most important bouts in history. Al Galvin, considered the best of all time, worked over 110 title fights and never had a fighter lose a fight on cuts in over his 40-year career as a cut man. These are the guys that you see prep the fighters to go into the ring by placing Vaseline on the fighters' faces before the first round to help them deflect a direct blow from their opponent. These are the guys you see in between rounds working with gauze and Q-tips and ice in order to keep the swelling down and to keep cuts closed so that the fighter can continue the match, go more rounds than expected, and keep them competitive even though their opponent has marked them. All the training, preparation, meal planning, running, fight planning, strategy, film study could be wasted and lost with a single punch or headbutt that produces a cut that impairs the fighter's vision or causes a doctor to step in and stop the fight early. The cut man is the unsung hero in the corner. Every great fighter needs a great cut man. And today I want to draw your attention to two great fighters, one in the Old Testament and one in the New if you'll permit me, may I simply reference one of their greatest title bouts. In Judges 14, our Old Testament champion kills a young lion with his bare hands, and he kills 30 Philistine combatants. In Judges 15, our Old Testament champion, with an improvised weapon from the skull of a dead donkey, our champion single-handedly kills 1,000 armed and dangerous Philistine warriors. In Judges 16, our Old Testament champion visits an enemy city and walks to their gates and rips the gates, post and bar out of the ground, and carries them off on his shoulders. Our New Testament champion was perhaps the most accomplished missionary of the early church. Since I have the intimate knowledge of what it takes to start a church from scratch, the fact that our champion started close to 20 churches is mind-boggling. He mentored ministers. He impacted the entire Roman Empire with his preaching. He left a lasting legacy by authoring 13 of the 27 New Testament books. The champion is in a real sense responsible for you being able to sit here today because it was his teaching that led to the Protestant Reformation, which out, without which we'd all still be Catholic and have no access to the word of God. Samson and Paul, great champions, incredible fighters and heroes. The text that we read shows us that these greats are at a different stage of their bout. But the problem is this is not how we like to see our champions. We'd rather see them standing over a fallen foe. We prefer to see them with hands raised in victory. We want our champions to pose for pitchers with the title belt. All contenders dispatched and all challengers smashed into submission. However, the truth is even champions get hit. The truth is even champions get touched up and even champions get knocked out. 
And over the last two weeks, I've been trying to get you back into the fight, to realize that, yes, we're in a fight, that our warfare is, our worship is warfare. I'm trying to get you to bow up again, to war again, to take territory again, to resist and to rise again, to oppose again, to believe again, and to raise the level of your worship again. I've been trying to remind you that you are more than a contender. You are more than a conqueror. You are more than a challenger. You're a title holder. Because of what Jesus done in you, he can now do through you even greater works than he did. You are belted around your waist as joint heir with Jesus hangs the belt of a champion. However, I'm not naive, nor should you be, that a day is coming when you won't see the punch. Your vision will be impaired. Your reflexes will be a little slow. You'll miss the signs of the attack coming and the enemy will sneak up on you. And although that you're belted, you can, listen to me, and will be belted. Like it or not, he'll land a punch. He may even catch you square. He may cause your knees to buckle and your world to spin. It may rock you and force you to cover up and survive until the bell. Worse yet, he may catch you with such a flush blow that it causes damage. It causes swelling. It causes the wind to be knocked out of you. It cuts you to the boat and lays you bare. Have you ever been there? Are you there now? See, a death in the family is a punch that marks us. A bill is a punch that produces worry, a doctor's report, a punch that produces crippling fear, a teacher's conference, a punch that produces pain, a call to the boss's office, a punch that produces anger, a letter from the IRS, a punch that steals our sleep, a letter from the lawyer, a punch that causes us to wobble in our faith. The exit of a friend is a punch that drops us to the canvas, and the exit of a spouse, a punch that cuts to the bone. To stay in the fight, we have to let the cut man work. You have to trust him with your injury. You have to let him heal. You have to let him soothe. You have to let him touch you. See, having the greatest cut man and ever lived does no good if you want to allow him to have access to your cut, to your injury, or to your pain. Too many of us are willing to let him handle our blessings, but we won't let him handle our bleeding. Too many of us come to Jesus and say, Lord, bless us and bless us. And we want all the good things, but we won't bring the pain. We won't bring the hurt. We won't let him handle the bleeding. But see, I know it hurts when he tries to touch your wound. If you're trying to, I was trying to take a splinter out of a movie mat. Now, movie mat, I don't think has any pain. I'm taking a splinter out and I'm going by way of his pancreas. I'm just digging all in his finger. I'm just taking it out there. He didn't say a word. But have you ever noticed that when you touch your wound, it never hurts as much as when someone else touches it? We come into church and think we can deal with it. And no, 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 I don't trust anybody else because if it hurts when I touch it, I don't know how it's going to be when Jesus deals with it. Nobody wants to take a trip to the cut man. Everybody wants to sit in the corner and, and sip on their water. But while you're sipping on water, if you want to stay in the fight, you better let the cut man work. I, I, I watched the... Um, do y'all get like those little bobs or blurbs or whatever it is on, on YouTube from, from the, the Olympics? Watch that guy from the Ukraine that was 60-something in zero in, in boxing. He was wearing people out. He was like a short, white Ukrainian Mike Tyson. He was coming at guys. And the guy from Brazil, he is just hoping that he doesn't die. And all of a sudden, this champion bends over and catches a left. Boom, he's knocked out. And what's funny is that in amateur fighting, even though they get up, they protect the, the, the fighter and they'll call the fight. He's wanting to fight, but they won't let him back in because it's amateur fighting. 
See, sometimes we get punched in the face. We want someone to step in and call the fighting, but this isn't amateur hour. This is real life. This is life and death. There's a battle for your soul. And if you get punched and you get beaten down and you're hurt and you're scarred and you're cut, whatever it is, financially, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it is, nobody is going to come to your rescue. You better keep fighting to the bell. And when the bell happens, you better find yourself to the corner, better yet to an altar, and let the cut man actually do what he can do. He can make sure that you can go out out and fight again see I recognize that healing hurts but if you don't believe that just pour some cleansing alcohol on a cut and I, you know it hurts but see here's the deal is it's hard to talk about our hurts are hard to admit it's hard to remember let's be honest some of our hurts are hard to revisit but if you don't let if you don't heal from what hurts you then you'll bleed on people who didn't cut you too many of us are bleeding on people that had no business and had, had nothing to do with our hurt. You guys are walking around. I say you guys. Let's just say us. How about that? Is that less offensive? We. Weezes. Yous and Mises. We're walking around bleeding on people who never hurt us. What we're doing is we never were healed from the last person, and we're taking hurts into new relationships. Yes, Lord, that's good preaching right there. Yes. So what happens is, is you, there's... Lord, help me. I got way too much stuff to come to my mind. People are struggling with, struggling with marital problems because they brought the bleeding into the marriage. That, that spouse that you have more than likely didn't cause the damage because you never dealt with it. You are actually now bleeding on somebody else and you have problems now. You have problems now from what happened in a different relationship. What happened in the other church, you're brought in here and you're still hurt so you trust nobody. Maybe a pastor hurt you. Maybe somebody in leadership. Maybe somebody didn't shake your hand or give you a hug or a high five or an elbow or a toe bump, whatever we're doing now. And so now you brought hurt in here and you're bleeding on people that never hurt you. Too many of us, you know, when, when Chase was, uh, I think he was four, maybe five years old, he was running through the house and on an area rug, um, he tripped on it and headbutted a raised brick fireplace. So it just opened him up, cut him to the bone. You could see his skull. And I remember my dad grabbing him and, and, and we're carrying him. And then, then we took him to the hospital, but there was blood all over Pop's shirt. I got him that shirt. It was the first day he wore it, and he never wore it another day in his life. It hung in his closet till he died. I said, Pop, why are you keeping this? He said, well, because you got it for me. Why don't you wear it? Because every time I wear it, it reminds me of what happened. It sounds silly about a shirt, but so many of us won't give something away, but we won't use it either. We keep it hanging in our closet as a memory of who hurt us in the past. Now, by the time that he died, that shirt wasn't even in the style. Throw it away. Why are you keeping it? So many people are sentimental over something that doesn't matter. I appreciate the shirt. See, here, here's the deal. Let's just be honest. Women want to get smaller. I want to outgrow stuff. When Nora says, you can't fit nothing, I'm like, yeah, this is working. <laughs> I don't want a shirt from 20 years ago. Well, don't you? I got it for you. That's fine, baby. We can get another one. Just get it bigger. But too many of us have stuff in our closet that reminds us of hurt. It has, it's not useful anymore. A shirt that stays in the closet for 15 years is not useful. But if every time you go to try to find something that's useful and see past hurt and reminds you, please stop putting stuff in the closet that only serves as painful memories. Will you please let that stuff go? The, the cut man doesn't give you all the bloody gauze and say, hold this for later. 
No, he fixes you and deals with it and that stuff that it doesn't matter anymore. It helped you at the time, but now it needs to be thrown away. Some of you need to throw away stuff that's causing all that hurt. Thank you. I don't know why I'm on that. That is not in my notes, but some of you are bleeding over people simply because you won't let Jesus heal the cut. How come that always happens? Is that, is that thunder? Okay. Every time I stop talking, it's like, boom. If you mess with me, I got Jesus on my side. Boom. And the rhino, that's right. But there are new battles that need to be fought. There are new battles that need to be fought. But if you haven't let him heal you from the old battle, you're unable to step back into the ring. Some of us are, are not as useful as we could be because we are, haven't been healed from the last time. And so now all we do is, is remember when. And we don't get in any new, I know that we were talking about on Wednesday that our fights aren't physical. We fight through worship. We fight through prayer. But if you're not healed from the last time, do you really want to jump into prayer? Do you really want to jump back into fasting? Do you really want to jump into worship? Some people have a hard time raising their hands, not because they can't do it physically. It's because they have so much hurt in their life. They won't let the cut man, the greatest that ever, ever, ever lived, Jesus, heal them. See, cuts are inevitable, but defeat doesn't have to be. Why is it a big deal? Well, because if you're cut and can't see, someone will step in and call the fight. If you're fighting someone that's dirty and you get up close to them and they headbutt you, they could take you out of a fight, not because of their skill, but because of your cut. So you could lose an entire match and a lot, a lot you can lose an entire battle spiritually. And it wasn't because you were outgunned. It was because there was cheap shots. Can I tell you the person who are fighting will take cheap shots? I don't care how good you are. You were going to get hit and you're going to get cut. Let's just say it this way. How many people, don't, don't show hands because you know church folks, they're gossipy. We talked about before how many times we walked into church hurt and walked right out of church hurt. We never came to the front, never asked for prayer, never expressed our need. We never came to the front, even in worship, and tried to let just Jesus heal that way. Even on a, just, I raise my hands, God, help me. Everybody else is dancing and jumping around, and you're worshiping, saying, God, please help me. Too many of us walk in hurt and walk out hurt because we think admitting hurt is weakness. It's not weakness. If you don't admit it and hide it, you can't get healed from it, and it will affect you down the road. So I just came to remind you that the greatest, the tested and tried, the best cut man has ever, ever worked in a fight is in your corner. He can keep you in the fight. He can keep you going longer than you thought possible. He can cause you to cut the clothes with no scar and no infection. How about the bomb of Gilead? He can take you where you thought would, would paralyze you and handicap you and actually turn into a weapon in your hands. He can turn what could have been a fight-ending, career-ending, hope-ending, joy-ending, peace-ending blow into the platform and launching pad, a counterpunch that will destroy the enemy. There's people in this room, there's people that are watching online. The things that happened to them, they should have been down and out. But because they knew where to go when hurt, it was actually a launching pad, a trampoline, if you will, to, to propel them to higher levels and better things and to counterpunch the enemy. We have a cut man in our corner. Isaiah 53 and 5, but it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed, uh, and crushed him, our sins. He took the punishment, and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. Through his stripes, we are healed. It was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the, the things wrong with us. It was our sins that did that to Jesus, that ripped and tore and crushed him. It was our sins. 
He took the punishment that, that made us whole through his bruises, through his stripes. We were made whole. See, we've all done our own thing and gone our own way. And Hebrews 4.15 says we don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. What sets us apart is that, not that we don't get cut, is that we have a cut made that can heal us. And once we've been tagged, see, I'm excited that even though I know I'm going to take some unexpected shots, I also know that I have somebody in my corner that can heal me. He knows how to keep me in the fight longer. He knows how to keep me propped up. He knows how to get me into another round. Pastor, I don't like all this boxing stuff. I know you don't. We live in a society that likes to spectate. I want to watch you get sweaty and hit, and I don't want to do nothing. We are in a spiritual warfare. We are here. I'm not even preaching on spiritual warfare yet. I'm going to get through this whole entire series to convince you that we are in a war and you got to do something. And then I'm going to preach another series about actually how to do it. Because we have too many passive Christians here in C3. No, in, in, uh, in general, just passive Christians. Just, just I don't carry a Bible anymore because it's in my phone. I don't read the Bible anymore because, well, I just don't have time for it. If it was on Netflix, I would watch somebody read it, but I'm not going to read it myself. I don't have time to pray. I can't pray before service because 15 minutes is way too long. It just I can't really worship because of this and that. And we're just way too passive. We want, will you please sing the three songs, Todd, and sit us down so we can watch pastors, uh, you know, spit all over the place and sweat. We cannot be passive Christians. We are in a war. Here's the deal is that even if you come in here and check us out with all the lights and everything else, you can roast a chicken up here how hot it is. You know how hot it is up here? Y'all are chilling in the shade. It's hot. But even if you came in here and I could help you on Sunday, what happens on Monday when they punch you in the face? What happens on Tuesday when the devil shows up and wants to fight? I can't be with you all the time. We can't have Todd help us get into worship all the time. You've got to learn to worship on your own. You've got to learn to get a hold of God on your own. You've got to learn how to plead the blood of Jesus on your own. You've got to realize that you're going to get in a fight on your own. You're going to get cut, and you're going to have to see the cut, man. See, cuts are going to be inflicted, but we don't have to be defeated. I have it on the testimony of a woman with the issue of blood. That our cut man can heal our bleeding. We can stumble, bloody, beaten, bruising back to our corner and let Jesus go to work. And our cut man can restore. He can turn it around. He can heal. He can deliver. He can set free. And only if we let him work. That's the hardest part. The hardest part is not preaching. Steve, you know the hardest part is, is convincing people that it actually works. The hardest part is actually convincing people to do something in response to the word they hear. Say, do you believe Jesus can heal? Yes, come right now. No, I'm good. I believe I can believe you can do it. I can believe I can believe I can I believe. All right, well, come let him do it. I believe in the gifts of the spirit. Okay, great. Come on, let's let's activate him. No, no, no. We believe in a lot of things that we don't act on. I was reading something here. Let me give you some. Let me give you something off the phone here. C.S. Lewis wrote this about pain. He says, we can rest contently in our, in our own sins, in our own stupidities. And everyone who has watched Glutton shovel down the most exquisite food as if they did not know what they were eating will admit that we can ignore even pleasure. We can ignore pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciousness, but shouts in our pains. 
It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Let something be uncomfortable. All of a sudden, we're uncomfortable, we're in pain. That gets our attention. We can forget how blessed we are. That we're standing in a building that we used to rent from that actually is ours now. And under, like in, like in two years, we, 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 we can take for granted that, that we have a, a guy that sings every week that people would love to come and have play every single Sunday, but he stays here because, on uh, most Sundays, because he's faithful to C3. We, we, got, we, have, we, have, we have more stuffed in churches 11 times, uh, 20 times our size. We fake everybody out with our, with our Facebook Live. They don't know how big our church is. And stuff looks great. We take it all for granted. We take it for granted because I'm not here. I'm sweating because it's 70 degrees in here. Let the air go out and it's 85 in here. Nobody will be here. We're like, hey, we're all going to watch online this week, Pastor. In a couple of our air-conditioned homes. We take pleasure for granted. Let pain come in our life. Pain demands to be answered. A lot of times... We get so blessed as Christians. We just come in, we become a Christian, and, and, and we love God, and God loves us, and everything is great, and then we just get really lackadaisical and complacent until all of a sudden there's pain. All of a sudden there's tragedy. Are you saying God causes tragedy, Pastor? I didn't say it. Don't put words in my mouth. All I said was pain comes. But pain gets our attention. And pain. told you we had that air conditioning go out and the internet go out and the refrigerator go out on the same weekend. Now, I like kids that don't bug me. I like air that's cool and I like ice. You take all of them and we were on the phone. Look, you got to get here. Like when? Like right now, if not sooner. I'll wait with the door open right now. You can come, come, come now. Come now. How much, uh, I don't care how much it is, just come now. Whatever it is, I'll pay double. Just come now. <laughs> it's hot. It's hot. Everything's hot. You know when you feel air and it feels like the air is moving around you like you're walking through jello, that's hot. But you know what? When it's 65 degrees and grandma has to come upstairs in a parka, I'm not like, thank you, Jesus, for air conditioning. Sometimes the only time I'm thankful is when I don't have it. I know that's not like y'all. So, Pastor, why is there pain in my life? I don't know. Maybe someone's trying to get your attention. I don't know. Maybe you've been coasting and cruising through life so long that you're not listening to God's whispers, and then he's now he's shouting to you. See, let's, let's revisit our champions who have been cut deeply. See Samson again in Judges 16, 28. This is not here, son. Don't worry about it. And Samson cried out to God, Master God, oh, please look on me again. Oh, please give me strength yet once more. God, with one avenging blow, let me be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson reached out to the two central pillars that held up the building and pushed against them with, uh, with his right arm, another with his left, saying, let me die with the Philistines. Samson pushed hard with all his might. The building crashed on the tyrants and all the people in it. He killed more people in his death than he killed in his life. See, Paul again in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. Paul, after uh, begging for his handicap to be removed, gets a word from the cut man. And he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own 
in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride, and with good cheer, these limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Samson just needed a visit with the cut man. Paul just needed a visit with the cut man. See, these are the only things that we remember. We forget that Samson lost his eyes. It didn't say they took him down to the clinic and gave him anesthesia. They grabbed him, cut his hair, and gouged both his eyes out. That doesn't sound like a champion. But in the end, he was victorious. Paul says, I can't believe I've been beaten. I've been beaten. I've been stoned. I've been shipwrecked. I've been hungry. But I realized that in my weakness is where Christ's strength was. The cut man got him back in the fight. I'm here to tell you that all of those who are up against the rope about to throw in the towel, about to go down for the count, that are losing blood, that the cut man can get you back in the fight today. I want you to stand with me. I'm going.